0: Welcome to Literacy Matters. We are so excited to talk to Dr. Miriam Ortiz. Um, So welcome back, Dr. Ortiz. Thanks. It's nice to be back. Yeah. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and tell us what inspired you to go into the field of education. Sure. So um, I'm Dr. Miriam
1: Mortiz, and I am the owner and chief consultant of K-12 Matters, LLC, and we help organizations um, incorporate evidence-based practices into everything that they do um, in order to promote positive outcomes for children. Mm-hmm. And so what inspired me to go into education? So I actually, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood and I didn't go to a school that was that great um, growing up, but the the teachers in my life really made a difference, mm. and they saw something in me and encouraged me, and you know really helped motivate me to 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 do more and to work hard. And I see a lot of you know kids out there and teenagers out there, and I I have plenty of friends that, that dropped out of school. And, um, and I know that if they would have had the same support that I did, or if they would have had a teacher that really, really encouraged them or supported them that, you know, their, their outcomes would be different. And so I knew that I wanted to be a part of making that difference.
0: Well, that's so inspiring. And, and um, certainly I'm excited that you get to pay that forward and have been paying that forward in your own classes. As a teacher, and now as the um, owner of your own education company, so that's exciting. So I'm glad you're again, glad you're paying it forward. So when you're thinking about teachers, um, and you know, obviously you shared your background just now. What, what are recommendations to support teachers in meeting the diverse needs of all students in their classes?
1: So first, I would say you know we really want to think about you know. Um, assessing and understanding the various needs of our students. So whether that be through formative assessment, or, um, you know, if if it's a student with a disability, then it would be, you know, a, a more intensive diagnostic assessment, but really, really knowing our students Knowing what their needs are and being able to meet them where they are, I think, is the most important thing. Um, knowing what those gaps are and, and providing intensive instruction for those students who are at risk or who are struggling to really, you know, give them that extra time or or that extra, you know, targeted um. Well, I mean, it's, a lot of it is about, you know, giving them that one-on-one time, right? That, sure. that teacher-led instruction, um, that modeling, giving them the appropriate feedback to help build those skills.
0: Sure. And what I, what I think connects to that also is really your story about your teachers and just how you were seen by them, how you were in this neighborhood that you said, you know, was, was you know, maybe low SES. Right. Um, you were at a school that you said, you know, wasn't as great, but you were seen by your teachers is um, not uh, only maybe having a need, but also that you had all this like promise. So I, I, I love that idea of like really just thinking about um, meeting the needs by getting to know what our students need but also getting to just know them right
1: right exactly it's it's so much more than just knowing about their academics but really knowing their background and knowing you know what what's going on at home if you can I know that's not always possible but but really meeting
0: the needs of the whole child yeah great thank you so much yeah Uh, what are some practical strategies to help teachers make certain that they're uh, small groups work. You mentioned, you know, that small groups are really important in making sure that you are meeting the specific needs of those children. So, what exactly are some things that they could do practically to make that happen?
1: That is a great question. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big cheerleader for small groups. I think it's so important for teachers to incorporate that in their instruction in in reading and math. You know, in, in so many different areas. Um, but it is hard. To, to keep that time sacred, right? Because you have exactly like we've been talking about, so many different needs of so many different students. So, one thing that I really strongly encourage my teachers to do is um, to start small with your small groups, right? Don't start with 10 different, you know, centers or five, even five, I think is much. Um, you want to really start with a very limited number. Of centers or, or, or groups. And then um, the, there needs to be processes and procedures in place throughout your classroom in general, like they need to be very specific. So the students know, this is what we do when I need to use the restroom. This is what we do when I need help with something. This is how we pick up our materials. This is how we put away our materials. Um, So when you have and you practice those different processes and those different procedures, and then you can start working with your small groups and you're not answering, you know, 10 different questions of different students while you're trying to dedicate the sacred time to this group of students. And so um, also it's really important, you know, when, if you're doing small groups while the other students are doing centers, um, then really practicing those centers ahead of time not just saying okay in this center you're going to do this and in this center you're going to do that but really practicing this is what it looks like to be in this center this is what it feels like this is you know an example of how you do it and practicing that as a class and doing it well as a class and so then you know you know they're ready okay for you to work with this group and they're ready to work on this center independently
0: that's great advice. Um, what advice might you give, um, a teacher who has a class of learners whose needs are largely similar?
1: So, um, honestly, when I think of a, a, a class that needs are largely similar, I think of, well, maybe they're all struggling <laughs> yeah. usually. Um, but uh, honestly, you know, um, You really still want to use that formative assessment. You want to have those routines and processes in place for those students as well. And then you never want to stop really checking on them, right? So just because their needs are largely similar doesn't mean that that's going to remain so for the entirety of the school year. So, you know, not um, being complacent with that being the fact. Um, making sure that you are varying your modalities of instruction as well, so that we have our different types of of learners really being able to get the most out of your instruction. Um, And then there are still going to be some some specific needs that different students have. And so really honing into that really using, you know, that formative assessment, I like to keep just pushing that because it really is so powerful when we let that drive our instruction, knowing, you know, what those needs of each of our students are, where those gaps are, or, you know, if if it's a student that is excelling, you know, knowing what to target specifically Mm -hmm. for them for enrichment as well.
0: That's great. Great advice you've been talking about assessment and formative <laughs> assessments for sure. How can we help teachers manage all of the assessment data that they've, you know, have and how do they can use it to support their students? Uh, you know, I always say that data is not a four letter word. And, <laughs> and, and, and I should say a bad four letter word. Because right, it's right. A word, but a bad four letter word. So, you know, how can teachers manage and use all of that data?
1: I, I think sometimes, you know, the the, data piece feels overwhelming because we don't necessarily always know how that data is being used. Um, I think it's important to know the difference of the different types of data and what kinds of decisions we can make with each of the different types of data. So for example, you know, you're more, um, Cumulative data, or for example, like state assessments, you know, that's always a hot topic, but that's really intended to be a snapshot in time, a big picture, right? We really shouldn't be making individual student decisions Using that data, we want to use some more specific data that's done um, with assessments that are one on one with students, so that we really can hear their responses and really um, understand where their needs are so really understanding the different forms of of assessment and. trying to use that formative assessment, right, that's closely related to the curriculum that you're using or those skills that you're teaching, and really using that to inform your instruction, inform, oh, this, this, these are the gains that the students are making, this is specifically what they're learning, and this is the gap they have, so this is really where I need to target uh, my instruction for this student.
0: Great, great, great. So, you know, we know that it takes um, you know, the, the old African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. How can the stakeholders in a child's life be active in supporting their literacy skills? So thinking about, you know, like my aunt, for example, was very instrumental. What, what can, you know, aunties and, and uncles and, you know, um, and, and cousins and grandparents and mothers and fathers do to support their children?
1: I love that question. Um, It's important to, to remember that, you know, different People are going to show their support and and encouragement in in different ways, right? And just because they don't fit into this mold doesn't mean that they don't care and they want to support their their student, their learner in their life. Um, And so one of the simplest and easiest things that we could do is really talking to our children, Mm -hmm. like really building that language, talking to them. Um, especially our younger learners, right? Building that background knowledge and that oral language that is going to support them in their literacy acquisition later. Um, you know, really, really just talking to them, modeling new words, um, if it's possible and feasible giving our children new experiences, right? So they can learn different points of view and different things that also builds language and vocabulary. Um, reading to them. That's another one, you know, they are able to hear, you know, your language development, right? And your prosody and your reading. So just, just reading and it's a wonderful shared experience. Um, and then really when, when giving feedback, when it comes to school or when it comes to literacy, really using an encouragement um, model and not in a, in a positive model rather than being critical about things is extremely powerful. You know, anytime um, that you are correcting an error, you know, I always like to you know, because my background is in behavior, right, I always recommend, like, tell them what to do, um, not what not to do, and it goes the same for, like, reading and, and literacy, right, so you model, if they're making an error, it's because they don't have that skill, so you want to model what's the correct way of reading that word, what's the correct way of sounding out, you're modeling that for them so that they can then acquire that skill and learn from that.
0: Great. Oh, that's, you know, that all great advice and, and, you know, what's in, in, in some of those things don't cost a dime, right. Which is really right. great. You know, even thinking about those new experiences, while we'd love to take our, our, um, our children out to these fancy places that cost a lot, there's a lot of things that you can do that don't cost anything.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Like visiting my, my little boys love to just visit the local library, yeah. right. And, and be able to choose whatever book they want, right? That That's just so powerful. And then we read it together. And mm-hmm. And like you said, no cost. And it's really, you know, it's impactful for their future.
0: Of course, of course. So when I think about a school year, right? A successful school year, what do you think a literacy block would look like? What does literacy look like? You know, when you say, yep, I've had a really successful year. What does it feel like to you? And what advice might you give for educators on how to achieve that look and feel for a successful literacy year? What
1: a great question. Um, honestly, a, a successful school year to me would be having all of my students reading on grade level. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. That would be great. And and it's possible and I I've seen it and it really goes back to really implementing those evidence-based practices, what we know works, Um, going back to that science of reading, going back to differentiating our instruction and targeting the specific needs of our students, and then providing um, the, the right amount of, of intensity, right? So, um, it, it takes time, it takes planning, um, and then, and being positive and, and engaging about it yourself, you know? So yeah, it, it is hard work, but, but it's possible and, and the return you get on your investment, right? For, for really, um, supporting the needs of your students and really planning and, and making that happen is, is amazing.
0: Sure. So as we close, is there one thing that you'd like to leave us with or highlight for our audience? Sure. Um, I would love to say that, you know, as as a teacher, you know, if you're
1: a teacher and administrator, you, re- you really do make a difference. Um, you you really do have an impact on the future of your students. You know, there are so many um, Adults now that you can go back and ask, you know, was there somebody who made an impact on on your life? And and a lot of times they can actually name that teacher, right? That mm-hmm. that was instrumental in their lives. Also, you know, build build community, build professional learning communities. Um, that's going to also be so powerful and and really helping you as a, a teacher, um, as an instructor, wh- whatever it is that you do. Um, it it really does, you know, help you you know keep that umph, right so <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> when when going on and and going on throughout the school year
0: well Miriam it has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you um thank you so much for all of your sage advice
1: thank you so much for having me it's always an honor